We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Here we are. Happy Saturday morning to everybody. Hope everybody's doing good. Uh, everybody has their coffee. Everybody is, um, I don't know, recovering from a busy week. It's been, um, it's been quite a few days. I, I uh, I'm not quite sure. I I fully wrapped my head around everything, um, especially since we had to like spend a day or so rationalizing the initial signings, and then Kemba, and now Julius. Um, I'm happy. I'm a very happy man. I am. I'm still trying to. I don't know. There's a part of me that's that's trying not to get too excited about everything because I feel like um, while this went about as good as I personally feel like I could have hoped for, um, the thing I'm still trying to wrap my head around the most is how good the rest of the East is, and I guess. Probably related to that, not necessarily how good the rest of the East is, but how much parity is in the rest of the conference. Um, and I keep, I was, th- I was actually, I was listening to, um, I think it was, it was a low post podcast, um, either low post or hoop collective. I always get my podcast confused. Um, and they were talking about the bulls. And um, I-, I think one of the, I forget who it was, was saying like, yeah, they could be, you know, fourth in the East, maybe if everything breaks right, but they could also be 12th. And they kind of went through that after the first couple teams, you know, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and then whatever you want to say about Philly. And I guess you want to maybe, you know, you have on the other side of the, the conference, just really aren't trying to win, or rather I should say, one team that isn't trying to win in Orlando, a Pistons team that doesn't really care if it wins or not, and then a Cavs team that is trying to win and may just not be very good at it. But, like, the rest of the conference is – and um, I think there are arguments for a lot of other teams. And so I, I, I've already – now that we have pretty much our free agency settled, I've already kind of moved on to – what is this team going to look like um, on the court? And I guess just as importantly, um, how is it going to fare against, you know, 
against the other teams that are kind of in their in their range. Um, you know, and I'll say the same thing about the Knicks that I think they said about the Bulls. If you told me the Knicks came out of nowhere and had another season where they were a four seed, which I think would be in some ways maybe not more improbable than last year, but like, well, nothing would be more improbable than last year, but like, you know, not too much less improbable. Um, you could also tell me that they were a seven or an eight or a nine, and I'd be like, all right, well, you know, I, I that it's like it would wouldn't completely shock me. So that's the only thing I wanted to say up front. Um, we of course have um, some speaker requests um, for anybody who doesn't know kind of the the rules of the the show. Um, just make your requests. I will call you up to the stage. Um, sometimes there are occasional technical glitches on the old, the good old reliable green room here. Um, so if you like make a request and I don't, um, it doesn't seem like I'm seeing it. Uh, just type something in the chat and uh, maybe you can make it again. Or, or we'll, we, we usually figure our way around this stuff. Um, but he's usually last, but I, I saw his request first. So I want to welcome to the stage first and foremost, uh, Jason Meredith. Hello. Jason. Yes. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I had to make sure I got in early this time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did, did I? Well, last time we, I mean, last time was nuts. Um, did you, did I forget? It's gonna be you, nuts oh, today yeah, no, too. You, that's right. Yeah, it's going to be were, nuts today. It's going to be a lot of people. <laughs> probably, probably, probably. I mean, we're starting earlier. We're starting at 10 a.m. because I have, uh, I have some stuff to get to today. So I want to try to get as many people up as possible. But, um, you are a, a priority guest, of course. What's going on, man? I don't know, man. I just like, we, we spent so much time where we all said, you know, I don't know what the Knicks are going to do. I mean, I don't know what they can do to make it a home run. It can go so many ways, but there's so many ways. It was so hard to see like the perfect off season. And I'm not going to say this was the perfect off season, but it was damn good. That's all I'm going to say. Like the, to me, a, a perfect off season. But like, there's a reason why I was never able to to get up here and be like, I want X, Y, Z because there's so many moving parts that like, I, I think I've said it on here. Like, I, I I'll know a good off season when I see it, and I I'm looking at this off season and I'm knowing that it is a good one. Is that if that does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. And I think the one that's funny, the one signing a lot of people are complaining about. I don't know why they're complaining. Like the Noel signing, like. He teams wanted him. Like he was gonna get like nine million from another team. So like, okay, they overpaid him by like one million or two million dollars. Woo, that's gonna destroy our cap space. Yeah, no, I mean, but so so I think it's funny you say that because right now I think most everybody is happy about the offseason. I think the one thing that could make people unhappy about the offseason and I don't think it's going to happen, but if there was a Mitchell Robinson trade, and yet, to me, the Noel signing, not that it sets up a Mitch trade, because I don't think signing him to that number necessarily means that they're going to trade Mitch, but it it, it, it certainly would make it a little bit easier to to stomach, you know what I mean? Um but then again, if they if they traded away Mitch, I've not like you know you hear the, the the Miles Turner rumors, which I'm not never been a big Miles Turner guy. Um, and now that the Reggie Bullock uh, so, uh, trade is official and it's not a sign in trade, there's no um, there's no feasible way that they would would even be able to trade for Turner um, until the contracts that they just signed become become tradable. I don't I don't know. I have a I there's a part of me that thinks there may be a little bit more noise. There should be, but. 
Um, look, Noel's a solid center. Like we've, we just saw what he was able to do. And I know he's not like the perfect pick and roll defender, but at the same time, I think you could discount, um, the effect that his splash plays, um, uh, meaning like block steals, like those were all like not, they weren't all momentum turners, but like a lot of them were big momentum turners. You know what I mean, Jason? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think, I think people, they underrate the value of defensive centers, and all you have to do is look at the teams that don't have them. Like, look at Toronto last year. <laughs> they thought, hey, yeah. we get rid of Abaka, yeah. we get rid of Gasol, you know, who cares? Centers are replaceable. No, they were terrible. Their defense was terrible. They actually stopped playing centers because that's how bad it was. <laughs> so I just think you don't miss centers until you don't ha- until, until you don't have one. And yes, people could say, "Oh, well, in the playoffs they get played off the court." Well, you got to get to the playoffs first. Um. Yes. Uh. You the the, the first eighty two games matter. And and to your point about the replaceability of centers, like a point that um uh, or a few people have made um, to the Noel contract, but just in general is how, you know, like last year, uh, several centers were signed to, um, you know, contracts in the range that Noel just signed and people couldn't wait to get rid of them. Like, uh, I think Derek Favors was wait to get rid of him. That was more about... Yeah, Tristan Thompson's, uh, Tr- Tristan Thompson's the big one, you know, that's a, like... I don't know. I'm sorry. Nerlens Noel is a better player than Tristan Thompson right now. Um, like, well, the thing is, we know that he works on our team. That's the difference. Like, if those guys, like, we know Thank he you. works on our team. That's why he Thank got the you. money. That's, he got. The, difference. That's, That's the, the difference. That's the difference. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Um, I I do think the Miles Turner stuff is probably true. Just because if I, the more you th- when you think about it, like. A lot of people, they always will say, like, you know, we need to play play Obi at the five. We need to play like a center that's more like they don't want to play like a true center. And I just don't think Tips is ever going to do that. And his logic is if I'm ever going to play a center that that's, like, more versatile on offense, they got to still be a good defensive center. And that's why I think and they he, think Turner might fit that mold. And he's also working out with Julius Randle. And you know relationships are- They are. And I guess I, – let me – I should probably rephrase it. I think the the was I think the may the word desperate may have been used. I, I don't don't remember, but it was something along the lines of them and they want a bad. I think that might be true. I'm not sure how badly the Knicks wanted him this summer because it, again, if they wanted him that badly, I think they would have maybe approached some of the things that they. crazy i think the thing that's that is makes it more difficult is the salary and it's wanted to have more flexibility in terms of salary they could have had it to, to to bring his salary in i i agree with you he does make sense in theory i also will say that like for as much as i think so people conflate when when you say like oh blocks getting a lot of blocks don't mean a center is is a very good defensive center that doesn't mean that a center who gets a lot of blocks, which Miles Turner does, is not also a really good defensive center. Miles Turner's excellent on defense. He's not Gobert. Um, he's not Embiid. I would put him right there with Capella in like that next line of guys. 
Um, so, but like, if you're a, if you're a no doubt about it, top five defensive center, that's not nothing. Um, you know, so yeah. Uh, and the shooting, you know, uh, more theoretical than actual at this point, but that's not all he does on offense. He's actually a more, he's a more diverse, uh, offensive player than, than Mitch in other ways as well. So we'll see what happens, but, um, good stuff all around Jason. Um, as yeah, always, that's I, all I, got. I don't really got anything else. It was just, uh, I'm just very happy. Um, yeah, and I think Kemba is just can you it's gonna be insane like Kemba's first game at the garden. Oh, but I I yeah, yeah. No, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be nuts. I'm I'm excited to see it just like everybody is. Um you know, but I and I wanna see obviously how he looks. I wanna see him on the court, I wanna see how how the knee is. Um good transition to someone who usually starts off our show. Kasim, you are next up on the stage. Um how are you, my man? Hello, 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 Mr. Jonathan Macri. <laughs> how, how are you, my friend? Oh, I, uh, uh, you know what, better question. Uh, that, first off, uh, hi, John. H- happy Saturday morning, and thank you for the emergency pods and all the lovely content you have oh, contributed my to pleasure. our world in the past week. <laughs> my pleasure, trust me, absolutely, it was my pleasure. Okay. Now, now, to you answer your question, could you ask me that question again? And this time, ask me why am I happy? Why? Why are you happy, Kasim? I'm curious. Oh, oh, I don't know, John. Um, I can't decide. Is it because we have that even a fifty percent Kemba Walker is better than a hundred percent Alfred Payton, um, and we have him <laughs> at the same money? Uh, I, I don't know if it's that or or if it if it's because that we had a better off season than the Mavs who we want to do badly, the Blazers whose star we want, or the Pelicans whose star we might also want. I don't know. Or is it because uh, we now have a point guard rotation of Derrick Rose and Kemba Walker in whatever order you want to put them in, and both of them have have minutes issues and we don't have to play them more than 24 minutes a game if we don't want to. Uh, I well, I, I think it's, it's the, I think it's the minutes is part of it. Um, but I also think, and this is where I'm going to be very curious to see um, what happens with, with Vildoza. So I, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm still not a thousand percent sure because the no one seems there's been reported numbers for Kemba's contract for I think it's like eight to nine million um I I don't think Valdosa is going anywhere the only thing I'm uncertain of is if to accommodate the um the Kemba signing at that number they needed they they will have need to waive Valdosa from his current contract and then re-sign him using the uh, room exception of, of $4.9 million, which is not going to be a big deal because um, it relates to the little bit of news that we got, I guess, yesterday. Just now, um, yeah. What oh, was yesterday. it? Wait, wait. It was the Deuce McBride, right? That, that, that contract, unless there's been something else that happened. Um, no, no, no. I, I thought that was I thought that was today. Yeah, the, so the McBride, and I had tweeted about this a few days ago. Um, he was, the, the signing was announced um today or yesterday um so unless he was being signed as to the room exception which i don't 
I mean, I feel like that would have been reported. I tried to inquire. I did not get anywhere because the Knicks don't disclose anything in terms of uh, the terms of mm-hmm. contract. Uh, assuming that was signed using cap space, um, then they still have the full um, room exception. And that's very important because if they had signed McBride to the room exception, the, there's a limit to two-year uh, length of the contract, and, and we want a longer contract from McBride. Anyway, I digress. The point is, I don't think Vildoza is going anywhere, and I think if if you're thinking like, okay, well, why would Vildoza stick around if he's not a full part of the rotation? I think it actually works out perfectly because now you have a situation where you could give Kemba days off on back-to-backs, and you could even mm-hmm. potentially give, give Derrick Rose some days off um, on back-to-backs. I don't know how often Tibbs is going to do that. I think they'll he'll listen to the medical people. But the other, the last thing, and I think this is interesting as well, Kemba has had not a ton of time, but some time playing alongside traditional point guards in um, in lineups. He, he did it a lot. Well, I guess Marcus Smart's more of a, the non-traditional point yeah, guard. Yeah, well, like him and Smart played two together two years ago. Yeah, and then last season he played with Teague, you know, in spot minutes here and there. So, you know, I, I, I think there's some nice flexibility there, but I agree with you. It's, um, you know, it's a, it's a coup. It's, How else do you say it? Well, uh, you're getting to my question, but very quickly, there are two other things that I might also be happy about, which is that um, we are not just getting Evan Fournier. We're getting, coming off a silver medal Olympics, Evan Fournier, um, which... Man, was he uh, one of the most important players for that France team. Um, and also, I could be happy because I, for the first time since I don't know how long, we have four guys in our starting lineup that, that average 15 to 17 points a game last yeah. season. That's, that's ridiculous right there. Now, I don't want to take up too much time with my happiness. So let me ask my question. Um, with regard to the rotation and who we have uh, and how we get Vildoza in or not or whatever, the thing that concerns me, if there's a concern, is losing Reggie, who has size and defensive ability. Now, your, your, your five-man starting lineup is obvious, and your five-man backup lineup is going to be IQ, Burks, Rose... Noel and Obi plus, and if they play 11 guys, then it might be Grimes uh, or Vildoza or, or, or whomever. Um, I'm wondering, with regard to bringing in Vildoza or not, and any of that, don't we need somebody who's a perimeter defensive stopper now? Because we don't really have one anymore aside from RJ. Uh, I mean, my thought, and I have not spent a ton of time thinking about this, and it's a good question, and, and thank you, Kasim, as always, for your for your um, thoughtful contribution to the discussion. Um, Absolutely. I, Reggie, yeah, Reggie, Reggie Bullock guarded the other team's best perimeter player last year, um, and RJ guarded the second-best perimeter player. I just think they're going to give RJ the assignment of the best perimeter player every night. And I don't think they would have let Bullock go without uh, knowing that RJ is ready for that. I think he is ready for that. Um, and I then they'll too. just I'm make just it work elsewhere. I'm just wondering on bench lineups. Is I mean, are we fine with uh, Alec Burks being the consistent three? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think that's. I think that, but again, if you're asking to to um, our our the last discussion that we were having, if you're asking why they kind of sneakily couldn't let Nerlens Noel get away, um, he's the backbone. I think we've we've kind mm-hmm. of learned that as long as Tibbs feels pretty good about the backbone, he'll make the rest of it work. Like, don't forget, we saw a lot of lineups. I mean, you know, quickly tried hard on defense. Rose knows where he's supposed to be. He knows what he's doing. Like, those two guys are still going to be there. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's it's essentially the same bench five as last year. I think they felt okay about it. Um, I think, and again, I think you, you, you trust that Tibbs is going to be able to get the most out of the guys on that end of the floor. But I do think RJ has a big, a big, a lot to do with it. All right. Well, before I let you go, I'll give you one food for thought, and you can bring it up with another call if you like. Um, does it has it occurred to you? And what did you feel about it that Kendrick Nunn was our first option before Kemba? Um, I I want to know a little bit more about the that the situation. I, I haven't. It has crossed my mind. Um, I think Nunn is younger and we, he's more, not that he's more of a sure thing because Kemba's, you know, Kemba's Kemba. Um, but like, I think they know what they're going to get. If in fact he was the first choice, I'm still not a hundred percent that he was because I think that there's a world where maybe like we think everything in the NBA is like weeks in the making and like teams know exactly who's going to become available and this and that other thing. I think there's a possibility that they maybe weren't sure that Kemba was going to be able to reach the buyout. Um, I have, I, I, at least I can't rule it out. That's the only thing I would say. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. All right. Maybe. We'll see. All but right. anyway, All right. good talking to you as always, Cosmo. I appreciate it, man. All right. Have a good one. Um, okay. I, uh, as everybody could tell, I'm running solo today. Usually I give people a heads up before – um, I call him up to the stage. So I didn't give this person. Hopefully he's there. Joey Dugan or Joey Duggan. I'm not sure which it is. Um, are you there, Joey? Hello, Joey. I heard you for like half a second. And then I, and now I don't hear you anymore. Um, Joey going once. Joey going twice. Um, all right, Joey, if you can hear me. And um, you get your audio sorted out. Let me know, and then I'll I'll call you back up here. Um, next up, Logan. Logan, I sent you the heads up, but now uh, you're next up in line. Okay. So, John, can you hear me? I can hear you. What's going on, Perf- Logan? How are you, man? Perfect timing. Um, so my question is kind of related to that. Do you have – what's your theory on the timeline of how Kemba played out? Uh, and specifically, do you think – on Monday, or whenever we all went all in on Fournier and, I guess, to a lesser extent, Burks, we knew Kemba was going to get the buyout. Uh, and my question is, is related to the last one of, would Bullock, maybe he wanted to start, and it wasn't an option, but would Bullock have been the, uh, the preferred choice over Burks if we, if we actually had known that Kemba was going to come over? Um, I, so let me handle the Bullock one first. Cause the only thing that I, I had heard about Bullock, I'm not sure if I said this anywhere. Um, 
I had heard that he wanted three guaranteed years. Um, and I think part of the calculation was the fact that Burks was willing to not have a third guaranteed year and Bullock wanted a third guaranteed year. Um, that said, I, you know, I personally, I, I flip-flopped on this a few times, but where I ultimately came down is if, like, I was running the team, I think that I would, if I could have Bullock or Burks, I would choose Burks. And the reason is because for as much as Bullock's defense was obviously an outstanding um, part of the team next year and, and shouldn't go un- underrated, the extra, just the extra ability that, that Burks gives you to put the, I mean, I think like the Knicks, like every other team in the NBA, would just watch these playoffs and they're like, how can we emulate what we're seeing? And I think Burks gives you the better ability to do that more than, more than Bullock. And, you know, the fact that you now have two older point guards um, and the fact that, you know, Burks, we know can play that position in a pinch, I think is, is meaningful. Um, which gets, but then that gets to your other question in terms of the, the, the timing. So you're, so you're thinking, so just a- ask the first part of the question again, because I want to make sure I answer it. Well, uh, I, yeah. I'm just curious, like, it, so it sounds like in your mind, which is interesting, you would have, even knowing, let's say you knew Kimbo was coming, right? Uh, and you went in eyes wide open to this and you knew you were going to get 28. You still would have picked between Kemba having Kemba Rose quickly uh, as three in the in the backcourt, you still would have picked having Burks over. I think it's it makes it a closer decision, but yeah, I think ultimately I would have. Um, and t- okay, I think uh, they believe in. I, I but I think but I also think it's close, and again, I think the third year matters a lot to them. Because of the flexibility that they, they feel like they have with these contracts. Yeah, I guess in my mind, you have at least three guys that look somewhat similar to what Burks does. And two of them are older and, you know, have had a knee history uh, or problems with their knees. But Bullock is a player that we don't currently really have. Fournier mimics in some ways. Well, they don't have... I'm not saying he's going to step in and play any kind of a role in this team, but I wonder how much of the calculation also went to the fact that they just drafted Quentin Grimes. Yeah. And how much do they, again, is Quentin Grimes going to play, you know, 400 minutes this year? Probably, you know, probably not. Maybe he is. I mean, who knows? But um, that to me is like a guy that his baseline is, if he works out, his baseline is like Reggie Bullock and his upside more has to do with, you know, a little bit more shot creation. Yep, yep, I agree with that. Um, so, so my original question, and maybe it's moot, was the timeline of the Kemba thing. Do you think they knew? Uh, it sounds like you know it, it maybe wouldn't have mattered in your mind. I was thinking if they had known Kemba was going to come, they maybe would have prioritized Bullock over uh, Burks. But it sounds like one, you might just disagree with that from a basketball I, standpoint, and two, the contract. Yeah, I think I, I well, no, I don't. Not that I disagree with it from a basketball standpoint. I'm just trying to envision what they're thinking. I, I, I think I'm looking at all of the different point guards that they allegedly like. We we read that from Ian Bagley that um, Schroeder was never very high on their list, which I find interesting. Um, I don't really know what that means, but like I, I feel like they definitely. 
went after something of a of a type. Um, I, so, you know, what is that to say? It's to say that, like, as long as they they, they kind of knew what they wanted to get from the point guard position next year, um, and I think they I think they wanted shooting um, because none is a shooter, obviously. Kemba is a shooter. Um, whether you believe, I mean, they were obviously in on Chris Paul and that didn't work out, but he's, he's a shooter. Um, the only one that doesn't fit in with that theory is Dinwiddie. And I still can't get a handle on how in they were on Dinwiddie. Um, it's been reported that he, they never made him an offer, um, which obviously I I believe that, but at the same time, I, my understanding was they were in discussions there. Um, Dinwiddie's, he's also a, a very dynamic offensive player, more so than Schroeder in my mind. But, you know, probably neither here nor there. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Under the head, so, when do you think they knew on Kemba? Uh, my guess is they knew – my guess is they knew on Monday. That's my guess, if I had to guess. Which then, again, doesn't doesn't necessarily jive with the, with the nun thing. Unless they actually really wanted none more than Kemba because they're worried about Kemba's knees and maybe we should be more worried about Kemba's knees too. Um, um, but again, it's, it's a, it's a value proposition for them. Yeah. Um, well, as an, as someone with arthritis in their knees in their early thirties, I can tell you it's not, uh, it's not fun. So I, uh, I think it's fair to have concern about, uh, about these things. One more before I, uh, I hop off. So yep. it sounds like you don't think the Noel, well, I guess two, two quick ones, the Noel thing has any implications for Mitch. Uh, I know. I think it has implications, but I don't think it, it's it's a death knell. I think you know it's somewhere in between. Got it. <laughs> and was the Penson thing surprising to you? Yes, it was. Um, I'm happy you asked about that, and thanks for the questions, Logan. I, I appreciate it as always. Um, so, just for clarity's sake, because there's been conflicting reporting on this, and, and Jeremy nailed this um, on Twitter um, in response to Mark Berman's um, inaccurate tweet. Um, you can have as long as it's less than four years of service time, you could sign a player to a two two way contract. Um, so they could have signed Pinson to a two way. Um, they didn't. Is that because they want to get a player in there who they think has a better chance of someday becoming a meaningful impact player um, in their in their rotation? Um, you know, maybe I don't know. Um, is it because Theo Pinson wanted to go elsewhere, someplace where he thought there was a chance that he could, you know, become a meaningful part of a rotation? Maybe. Um, I would have liked to have him back. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Um, Okay. So uh, I'm going to get try Joey again. And then after Joey, uh, Cedric, you're going to be up. And then I see everybody else on the list. Joey, are you there this time? Hey there, Knicks fans. <laughs> What's going on, man? How you doing? What's up, man? Love that. Um, yeah, so j- just before I ask my question, I just want to say I, I, I've been liking, uh, obviously, everything you and Andrew have been doing this offseason. But, man, Jeremy Cohen, he's been, like, throwing a no-hitter this uh, this offseason. Those are all uh, must-listens, those, those cap things, because I, I never know what's, what's going on, but I uh, – I enjoy the heck out of it. So he, he's, <laughs> I said that, uh, he's great at it and he loves doing it, which makes it even better. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of the centers, uh, so kind of when I, I've noticed when you've been talking about Mitch um, off, you know, off and on this off season, it seems like you're kind of alluding to, I don't either like some sort of whisper campaign or like hesitations about him as, as kind of a player from either, you know, internal to the Knicks or I, I don't know if that's, uh, you're hearing that from people or, or what, but I was wondering if maybe you could, you could expand on that a little bit yeah. and try to maybe be a little bit more specific about like what you're hearing and stuff. I mean, I, okay. I, I just don't th- – let me start by saying I think I, – I love Mitch as a player. I think he has, still has a chance to be an incredible, incredible force um, at both ends, um, not only on defense. I still think there's an offensive upside there somewhere. Um, but I think for for as much as we, we may have all wanted to um, – gloss over the when after Tibbs was first hired and like that that quote from Van Gundy um ended up in I think it was a, a Berman article for the post about you know they they questioned uh or with the team USA that they questioned you know uh Mitchell Robinson's commitment or whatever it was and I, I remember when I first saw that I was like come on this is nonsense this is like stirring shit for st- shit stirring purposes like 
Van Gun- like we know Van Gundy is Tibbs' mouthpiece. We know that that quote doesn't end up in a in a major you know newspaper without there being something behind it. And that was also at the time when Mitch wasn't there for the whatever the voluntary minicamp was, where he was home and whether it was I think it's the birth. I don't know if it's, we still don't even know if it's his child, this kid that he keeps putting in pictures. But let's go on the fact that either his child or his his um, niece or nephew or whatever it is. So I think there was that. And then, you know, there's like, for instance, this summer, um, he's I don't think he's been around, whereas some of the other young players have definitely been around putting in the work. Um, You know, it's I don't know if anybody saw the whole article that came out from I think it was Jackson Frank a week or so ago with the whole Marcel Scott thing and how he's kind of, you know, Mitch follows him wherever he goes, uh, uh, you know, to the detriment of maybe his own career. Like there's just there's off court stuff there about does does is is he listening to the right people? Um, and like if you're like just do one plus one equals two. If you're if if there's questions about whether you're listening to the right people, then obviously there's questions that then you're not probably following the advice of your team. Um, 100% at least, or there's at least some kind of questions there. Um, in terms of stuff that I've heard, I, I know there was some, at least a discussion that was that I, I, you know, take it for a grain of salt. But what I heard was that there was an internal discussion about like, you know, um, who has the higher ceiling, Mitchell, Mitchell Robinson or Obi Toppin. Um, I don't know if that was in the context of, you know, if we need to trade one of these players, I have no idea, but I know that was definitely a conversation that happened um, there at some point over the last like week or so. Um, I just, if you're going to invest serious money in a player, um, you need to have like a, you need to know that they're going to be there to attempt to earn that contract. And I'm not – I don't want to put Mitch in, like, the same sentence as, like, uh, my God, what's his face? Larry – was it Larry Sanders? The guy who basically decided he wanted to stop playing basketball for the Bucks uh, a few years back. But, like, they need to be sure that the commitment is there and that the work ethic is there, especially since, like, they seem to be building this team with guy, you know, not only now Obi and Quickly, but with the two kids they just drafted – like the reputation first and foremost for these kids is like they're workers. They live in the gym. They like that's those are the people that they're trying to bring in. Um, you know, to say nothing of Kemba Walker. So I, does that kind of answer your question? No, yeah, yeah, that one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I guess I just wasn't aware of of some of the uh, backstory on that, and that's too bad to hear because man, if if uh, you know he lived up to his potential and everything he would be probably one of the best young centers in the game besides like you know maybe DeAndre Ayton and and others i can't but think of many other centers that are have his level talent of talent wise talent wise like he was like every bit you know like he was right there neck and neck with DeAndre Ayton in their in their recruiting class he he thinks he's better than DeAndre Ayton and you could tell when he was um i covered the game they played the suns um, what was it? Not not this past season, but the season before that. And you could tell he was getting annoyed after the game at questions about like Andre, uh, DeAndre's game because he thinks he's better than DeAndre, and he thinks he's and and honestly, he may have a right to think that. I have no idea, but it's just you know, I, I he he has not yet shown the maturity that I think you would like to see, and it's now we're entering year four, and. 
they could have locked him up on a long-term contract if they wanted to use some cap space this summer. They chose not to do that. Um, you know, you could make it out what, what you will. So, yeah. Okay, what, Good. what other one that's on a lighter note then? <laughs> sure. Uh, is It seems like... Uh, the kind of general consensus that I'm I'm getting is that you know Nick's had a good off season, but we have sort of a limited ceiling, um, which may, you know makes sense. But I still, when I'm looking at the East, I don't really get why you know the um, why you know most people would say hey, yeah the Knicks aren't in the same class as like the 76ers. I get the Nets, but. I don't – I mean, other than maybe the Nets and the Bucks, I when I'm looking at it, I don't think the Knicks are any worse than any of those teams. And, I don't know, the Sixers feel like one Embiid injury away from being mediocre at best. Um, so I could see us still being like a three seed. I, I would put the ceiling on this season as a three seed, and I, I would not – I would not wager a lot of money on that. <laughs> I think – I, I guess um, I guess it just it comes down to shot creation. Like if you told me we were getting the Kemba Walker from two years ago, or I guess three years ago now, whatever it is, when he his last season in Charlotte, right? If you told me we were getting the, the and that guy was third team All NBA. So if you told me we were getting a third the third team All NBA version of Kemba Walker, and we were going to pair him with the second team All NBA version of Julius Randle. And you told me we were going to pair both of them with a version of RJ Barrett where he's going to take a step up to at least being like in the all-star conversation. And then you're telling me we're getting like the very best version of Evan Fournier. I don't know exactly when that player has been like, you know, pick your, pick your stretch of Orlando basketball. And you're telling me we get another, like another rose season from last year and OB takes a step up and quickly takes a step up. If, oh, and, and, you know, maybe one or other, and one of the centers pops even more. Maybe, no, Noel, Mitch, whoever. Yeah, if all those things happen, then sure, they could be a three, a, a three or a four seed. I just, it's a lot to ask. That's all. It's like none of those things are, are guaranteed. I hope that, that is like too much of a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe i i hope from your lips to god's ears um thank you for uh the the call joey um okay next up uh i feel like i i don't see him as much on twitter anymore, anymore. cedric can you hear me yeah I, I, can you hear me i can hear you fine man what's going on i feel like i don't see you as much anymore come on stop that i'm in here every week man <laughs> I, but but uh, you, what is this? Your second time up on the stage? Third time, maybe? I I, I don't even know if it's the. I I think what I was gonna. You, you totally cut my um, first time caller, long time listener. Because I think it's the first time I. I it may I'm be on the stage. Yeah, it may be. But, um, so well, first time, long time, welcome. Well, listen, I, I'm coming from the Periscope days, Macri. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, no, like I, I, I like 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 I big you up on Reddit when 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 they uh when the Reddit guys was like, who is this Macri guy? But listen, this week was amazing because we went through all the fields. And I want to shout you out for the way that you – first of all, you're an eternal optimist. It's, it, and, your, and your first kiss story is crazy, bro. You got to relax. <laughs> you got to relax, but I, I feel you. Like, I, you got to relax. Like, I don't I – don't, <laughs> way too intimate. But um, you, you went it's through all true. the fields. You went through all the fields of this week because, you know, Monday night – we're like, where is this going, right? Tuesday, yeah. we're like, okay. Wednesday, it was like, it was like that, um, that Vince McMahon meme 
where it's like, uh, uh, you know what I mean? It's like, whoa, when we get to um, to Randall. And I kept feeling like these 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 articles were coming out. And you had just, you know, you had just put out the the newsletter. Obviously, I'm a newsletter subscriber. But um, Say, I, I want to shout you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, sure. I'm not a pa- I'm not a Patreon guy, but uh, but I am a newsletter subscriber. Um, but I, I just want to shout you out for always remaining optimistic. But you, I love your optimism because I'm a, I'm always a guy in the comments who who keeps you honest, right? Like I call you. Yes, out you do, your, and you're very on, good at it. Yes. <laughs> on your Gary Trent Jr. On your this, and you you this week. You were letting your hand play. Like, you were not okay Monday night. Like, you were like, uh. And Tuesday, you were like, mm. but you, you, you always put on a good face for the, uh, I try. For the fans. And I, I just, I just want to salute you for that. Thank um, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because you put on a good face. I, I get mad with you. I'm like, come on, Mac. Just call, call a spade a spade. Because Monday night, I was like, can Leon get a deal done? Like, like to me, Miami. It's not in so great a place that Lowry needs to go to Miami versus going to New York. Like they're both not contenders. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yes, Bam is amazing, and you know, to hear Jimmy Butler tell it, uh, Bam needs to you know be a little bit more aggressive. He needs to do this, whatever. They still, you know, PJ Tucker at the four, whatever. Right? Like they lost Jay Crowder, and 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 that's been a hole for them. So. I, I was I was asking myself, can Leon get a deal done? Can he get a deal done? And when he got the Kemba deal done, I was like, oh, okay, this is what I, <laughs> this is what we've been we've been looking for the finesse. Like we didn't like the moves have been you know they've been marginal and they've been decent, but we've been looking for if we're gonna get the the, the CAA king, we want the finesse. It's not that we wanted Dame and we wanted all this extra. We just want. To win, we want to be on the winning side of a trade. We want to be the win on the winning side of free agency. And I, I was, I was asking, can Leon get a deal done? And he, and he yes. got some deals done, man. And so for this week, the thing that hurt me the most was losing Pinson. Like, yeah, um, I was sick no, off it. That. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm not quite sick off it. I, I'm, I think it hurts, and I, I wish he was back. Which, but to your point about Miami, like, why can't we get that? That's why, to me more than certainly more than Fournier, more than any other guys, more than Kemba even, the biggest thing that happened this week, and I'm not even sure it's close, is Randall resigning for what he resigned for. Because yeah, to Randall me resign, bro, was like we all said there was no way he was gonna he was gonna leave that much money on the table. He got Leon got the deal done. He got but it that's done. proof of like that's proof of concept and everybody I know I'm as guilty of this as anyone, I'm like, okay, when, when is the proof of concept going to show around the league? When do, when do other players look at this situation and say like, you know, it's like Zach Lowe always talks about, like, I want to go there. Well, you got to have guys in your building say, I want to stay here before people outside of your building are like, I want to go there. And so Julius Randle did that. That to me is, is step one. And now it's time for step two. And which leads to your other general gist of this this you know conversation which is like when like okay when is the when is he actually going to make that split I, I it's coming man i'm telling you i would bet i would bet any amount of money and i'm not sure if it's even going to be a transaction nick fans are going to like if barrett goes out it's probably going to be one that they don't like but for sure, for sure. i would bet any i would i would bet any amount of money that in the next what's 12 months from right now august um 
August 7, 2022, we're talking about a Knicks team that has like some, I don't know who it's going to be, but you, you know, one of those guys on it. I, I went from I went from this free agency being, you know, a C plus to it's definitely a B plus at this point. The the Kemba deal, we could have tra- I was so worried that we could trade for that contract. And so, oh, so to get I- that bu- and so to get that buyout was just like bro, I was I was getting my hair twisted. I got I'm 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 on my new log journey. And I jumped out of the seat. I said, Oh, I was so excited. <laughs> I said, Yo, and we're not paying that much like eight million, nine million, I'll take it his knees whatever like we're not paying that money i was so excited man so i really just came up today to just to shout you out for one seeming optimistic when i know sometimes you feel like this is some bullshit <laughs> um and and, and just, i try to you know, look, i try to look on the bright side i try to i tr- here, what, here's what i try to do it's the lawyer in me i try to make the argument if there's an argument to be made i'm gonna make it that's all i do and, and just in general, I think the the, the community that, that you guys are building, I remember talking to some of the Blue Wire Cats um, early before you guys got down with them. And I said, how do you not have a Knicks podcast? And now to yeah. see you guys are a top Knicks, you know, a top sports podcast is it, just it's just a beauty, man. And so I, I really just came up to give you guys love and um, keep doing what you're doing, man. I love the Chuck D interview, all that. And thank you, know, you man. I, I do wish that uh, Theo was down only because. I, I just don't think you could – you can't – that's one of those intangibles in terms of the excitement that he gave, even when we were losing games, like just what he did for that bench. I, I, don't, I just don't know who's going to fill that role. And so it, the 15 guy on Tibbs' roster isn't going to play anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I would rather it be that guy I hear than you. anybody else. That's all. But, but I hear you. Listen – I, I, listen, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I, uh, I, I'm with you on on Pinson. I'm not gonna lie; it reminded me a little bit of 2012-13. Right? We had all those guys uh, who were instrumental from the bench: your Kurt Thomases and your Rasheed Wallaces and your and your Marcus Camby's and your and your Kenny Martins and all that. And um, they went, and uh, there was something missing from the from the the recipe. Uh, the next year, and and but you know we'll see. Hopefully they can withstand uh, the loss of of good old Theo um, Vivek. I just got you up there. You, can you hear me? I can hear. I can hear you. How are you doing, John? I'm I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm. Uh, let's see what time we got. Ten forty seven. All right, we got to start moving a little quicker because I have um I have I have some some things to get to today, which I, I can't I can't say on here, but I'll I'll share with everybody in a few weeks. But um, anyway, uh, talk Look to me. You. What's on your mind, man? Look at you. <laughs> Look at you, man. You got to cut us all off, man. <laughs> I'm not. No, well, don't worry. I'll get to everybody. I'll get to. No, nah, I'm just I'm missing. I'm missing you. First off, first off, first off. Um, you know, congrats for all the uh, milestones. Um, the team has reached uh, this past week. I still Thank remember you. the I still remember the periscope days when you're just running around for you know in your uh. In your home, just you know, recapping this game, you know, uh, like, never forget those days. Never forget those days. Um, uh, you listen. Some people may think they've been there since day one. You have been there since day one, Vivek. Listen, one day, one day, once you get like a million subscribers, we're gonna have to go through like some like you know wartime stories. You know, it'll, it'll be like the Knicks version of like Drink Champs. You know, where we, you know, you got to you know talk about some crazy stuff. Yes, we will. We, we do will. got we got some crazy you know crazy things that happen, but um, but yeah, you know, I think the main thing I don't really have much you know 
everybody else everybody else had some good stuff um but i guess like the main thing you know we say it every single year in the off season is that when it comes to the beginning of off season it's always day one is like the craziest hot you know we have this rapid reaction and until everything kind of formulates around you know all the moves you know happen you know once everything happens then you know, I think we get a once we get a better picture of the offseason, then our our reactions kind of change. You know, always happens day one is kind of like the wildest day where we're mad at the team, and then once we find out, you know, all these like deals or team options or whatever, then we're like, oh, okay. And then we realize something else happens. Like, okay, this is actually offseason one was bad, wasn't as bad as I thought. So, you know, I feel like it happens every single year. Um, it's kind of funny in that regards. Um, but you know, I think. I think we had a pretty, you know, pretty good offseason. Obviously, um, you know, anytime, yeah. it's, you, anytime you can heist Kemba Walker for like uh, the equivalent of the non-taxpayer MLE, look, um, you know, that's that's great, um, and it also makes trading that nineteenth pick, you know, a pick that you know a lot of people criticize that trade for. You know, looking back at it now, you know, if that two point four million dollars helped us. You know, maneuver around everything, including every little bit counts. They they had they knew what their books were going to look like. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know credit to Brock Aller, credit to you know uh, obviously you know the entire front office, uh, Wes Scott Perry, you know Leon Dale, you know they knew what was going on. They had a formulated plan and they did not panic. Um, they, the, yeah, no, they didn't. And and just in in regards also to the the Grimes thing and moving down from 19 and and um or swapping out of that pick essentially is they now can sit here and still be able to trade um six first round picks and two swaps uh because of the way like the years break and like you know stepping and roll stuff and i know you know that stuff better than anyone (laughs) so like they're sitting there they're sitting there with a package for whoever it is and, and I know people say, listen, that, you know, like we could have got more from Charlotte for that 19th pick. But I think, listen, you know, that pick, that's going to remain a first round pick, whether you like it or not. And, and you know, picks are like cars, right? You know, uh, the moment you draft a player, you know, their value pretty much depreciates, you know, so they're the, their value is the most hot, the highest before they even get drafted. So, yes. you know, uh, that's how, that's how draft picks work. So, you know, you're better off just, you know, um, rolling over that pick. I, um, I mean, that was yeah, I, I'm. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but that's that was my big thing. Um, my my the fact that they did wind up drafting two kids who were going to be on the roster this year, um, and they those two kids are don't seem like they're going to be in the rotation. Um, speaks to me that uh, hopefully they believe in both of them and believe in both of them as like, yeah, we know you're going to be here for a while. And we know even though your team your your time is not maybe up. Or coming up this year, you're still going to be able to help us. And um, look, the best organizations could do this. The Spurs always do this. Um, the Raptors always do this. They make this. Those to me, those are the two best developmental organizations in the league. And they have perfected the slow play, right? Where yeah. like you know, Van Fleet didn't play a ton of minutes his rookie year. Pascal Siakam didn't play a ton of minutes his rookie year. Go back and look at Keldon Johnson's rookie year, or like um, I'm trying to think of like some other example, Lonnie Walker. Well, we'll see what Lonnie Walker is as a player, but like, yeah, Miami Heat too. Exactly. Go, go. Thank you, Will. And these are positive indictments on the team. That means we are doing, we are winning games, and you know, we're helping players come into the system, learn, you know, 
organically, you know, they're going to, you know, learn how to win games. And, you know, it's a complete 180 from when we, you know, when you started this, right? You know, 20 and, you know, 2017, 2018, where our mentality was, you know, we were just wanted to play players, young kids, because, you know, young kids, you know, maybe they amount to something, right? You know, now they have a much more defined, um, you know, we're bringing in kids and now we're not, we're bringing in players. You know, they're a little bit older. Um, that's what, that's intentional. And you're seeing it. Look at, look at all the other organizations. You know, unless you're a team like the Sixers or some, you know, well, um, you know, well oiled squad that's going to be, you know, you know, that could take, they have patience with these 19 year old kids. You know, we're trying to find players that are more, um, you know, developed in that sense so that they can come, they can come in, play situational minutes and, you know, um, they can learn and they can learn winning habits. And, you know, that's the thing that's, you know, comparing a guy like, you know, Grimes and, and you know, Deuce McBride to, you know, when a guy like Kevin Knox came in and, you know, probably, you know, Tibbs quite honestly had to spend the last, you know, year uh, and change basically getting rid of losing habits from guys like Knox. So, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, but he, he I think, the organization's initial plan with Knox is a reason a lot of those losing habits were instilled in the first place. That's the problem is they it's they didn't have a plan, right? Yeah. And now we could sit here and we could quibble about this or that and the other thing in terms of the draft, in terms of free agency. Clearly, the organization is no, the the days of shooting shooting from the hip are done. Like they oh. have a plan. We'll see what we'll see if the plan works out. Yeah. It may may work out. It may not work out. Yeah. But they have a plan, which yeah. is and it's a real plan. So. And listen, I'm going to go quick hitters because, you know, I know you don't have too much time. But, you know, one thing, uh, I guess I want to start with Frank. Uh, you know, it's been a nice four years for Frank. But, unfortunately, you know, if he wants to probably play in the NBA, it's going to be at the, it's going to be at a wing position. And I don't know how many teams need wings. Uh, the Spurs don't. So, maybe he finds luck somewhere else. But I don't know, you know, where he's going to sign. Uh, maybe he and D- DSJ can sign somewhere else, you know, together. But I don't know where, where that's <laughs> going to be. Uh, Reggie, I, again, Reggie, I know we mentioned about Reggie, but I think, I think just, um, you know, the way he played in the playoffs, I think, you know, it just reemphasized our priority and importance for um, people who can put the ball on the floor and just be somewhat of a threat with the ball in their hands. And I think mm-hmm. that Tibbs' defensive system, you know, allows for players who may not be as defensively, you know, they may not, you know, that he can kind of mask some of like the um, smaller defensive flaws that certain players have. And, you know, Unless you're a complete negative on defense, I think you know Tibbs' system and Tibbs' discipline and Tibbs' you know approach can um, can make people into competent defenders. And you kind of saw that at the point guard position, you know, where you know you put people, you put Alfred Payne and Derrick Rose as your point guards, and you know the team's defense was still all right, right? So yeah, and that, sure. that's that's an indictment. Obviously, Frank was you know the perfect example for that, right? So. Um, you know, if he can make those two work, you know, I think he can make other players work if they can bring more on the offensive end. And one final thing for Theo Pinson, or actually two quick ones. Uh, Theo Pinson, um, I figure he wanted to get one, he'd rather get a one-year deal from some team rather than, you know, um, I guess a two-way contract from us. I think I think the roster spot for a team like us is more important if we can try to fill it with someone that, you know, that can contribute a little bit for us. I know Pinson provided a lot, you know, of the intangible stuff, but I figure... You know, it's probably a mutual decision that helps both of us, uh, both both sides pretty much. You know, if we can get Pinson an opportunity elsewhere, um, sure, yeah, get some more guaranteed dollars. Um, because you know, there's no guarantee on how many you know how many more contracts he has, right? So 
you know, maybe it's mutual, uh, mutually beneficial to everybody. And, um, you know, with Mitch again, I, I'll end with Mitch. Um, look, I, I think the biggest thing with Mitch is, you know, I mean, health is a big thing, but also, you know, Kenny has he shown that he can, um, do some of the, you know, intangible things that are required, um, as a five in Tibbs system, but really, you know, with the team as a whole. And to be quite honest, you know, I was looking for like even simple things, just, you know, setting proper screens, setting, uh, you know, just being able to do something with the ball in his hands. Um, you know, well, I think like, you saw some of that. I think the screen setting got better. I think some other aspects of his game got better, but like at the same time, there seemed to be some areas that were lacking. So I think, I think it's a mixed bag in terms of what we see. Yeah. And I hope he's developing some of those. I, I could care less about the three point shooting. Cause that's not going to help us that much. What we need, you know, what would help us more is if he can like, you know, dribble, you know, in the post and say, have a hook shot or some sort of like a small turnaround basket that would probably provide more on offense. Or even just yeah. being able to, like, you know, in a, D, in a DHO situation, just do, like, triple handoffs or something along those lines. I think those are more valuable uh, skill sets than, you know, perhaps shooting threes for us, right? So, um, hopefully he's doing some of that. And I think, again, it's hard to commit to someone. You know, obviously he, he was hurt last year. And, you know, some of those injuries are – I mean, the wrist was kind of flukish. But, you know, you never know these foot injuries, right? So, um, you know, it's very hard to – you know, commit unless we see a full body of work. Uh, yeah, and and listen, there's there's always time left, and hopefully we see it soon. Um, Vivek, as always, you're the man. Um, thank you for coming and, and spending some time and, and for all your support um, everywhere as well. Um, okay, so it's almost 11 o'clock. I still have a bunch of speakers. Here's what we're going to do. Um, I am going to get everybody up here, um, but I'm going to ask that if everybody could just do – Maybe one quick comment, one quick question, um, so we could try to get out of here in like the next fifteen-ish minutes or so. Um, James, you're next up, and after that, we got Justin. And look at that, we got Drew. Okay, so James, you're you're up next. What's up, man? How you doing today, John? I am wonderful. How are you, sir? Great, great. Um, so yeah, I'll be quick. Uh, I just wanted to say, like, shout out to Leon. I mean, I mean, everyone at like eight the day after the draft, and then like. Two hours into free agency, everyone's just like crying and worried about we didn't get this guy and this guy and this guy, and it's just like, a lot of crying. You, you, you guys really need to like take a step back. I know in the heat of the moment, it's it's recency bias and everything, but now you got the same people like cheering and and, and jumping for uh, Kemba. So you know it's all right. That's typical Nick fans, anyways. But um, I mean Leon is ever, ever since last year's draft, I am trusting this guy one hundred percent. Whatever he does, I mean. I know, I know they make fun of Nick fans and say, you know, we're always, we always, uh, how do you say, like, too supportive sometimes. You know, we don't get on them enough. And, you know, but ever since last year, Leon, every move he's made, it's not the greatest move, but he's never, he's never really messed up our future or anything. So I'm just going to keep trusting Leon, keep trusting everything, the process. Um, I think we're a guaranteed top five seat. Uh, like what Chuck D said on the pod, like, they got to come out early and, like, really – you know, show that they have that um, consistency and that gel like a lot of teams don't have right now, like the Bulls. So um, they got to get, a, like, a good start. And, uh, yeah, I think the Knicks are a guaranteed top five seat, and we're going to trust the process, take it year by year. They can trade for Dame. They can't. They won't. Like, I, I don't care. I just whatever, – whatever Leon chooses to do, I'll be supportive. <laughs> um, your lips to, to God's ears, uh, James. I hope you're right. Um, as always um, – you know, I, I appreciate your your optimism. 
Um, I too trust Leon Rose. Um, so we'll see if he can if he can continue to make things happen. I think we're we're on like step two of what's going to wind up being. Um, I think the third step is coming pretty soon, but we'll see. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, Justin, you are up next. Hello, Justin. What's going on, John? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you great, man. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Um, I'm doing good. I'm going to ask two quick questions. Sure. And I'm just going to get off the line. I just want your opinion. Sure. Um, First question, is this possibly one to ten, if you go down the line, one of the best offensive teams that Tibbs has been given? That's That's a good question. Yeah. That's that's my first question. The second question is, um, in regards to Obi and the Summer League uh, uh, show out, um, would it be indicative, which, which would be more indicative if Obi has a great Summer League or if Obi doesn't show up for Summer League? I mean, I know we don't put much stock in Summer League at all anyway, but um, which one would, you know, would you feel better? great or worse you know you know what i'm trying to say as far as the range i understand okay so if like what's more meaningful if ob shows up and has a terrible summer league or if ob shows up and has a great summer league right um i would have to kind of see it in the moment because i if he shows up and is terrible just because he's like he can't hit a three and it's we're talking about a sample size of four games i'm like he's trying to hit a lot of like shoot a lot from the perimeter. Um, I probably wouldn't put too much stock in that because it's two, it's four games. But at the same time, one of the things I'm going to be looking for is I want to see what he does in, inside the arc. I, I, I would like to see him try to work on some of the stuff that we saw glimpses of last year. Um, I would probably hmm, – that's a really good question. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm this, hopefully I don't have to eat these words – if he came and just looked bad, I would be really worried. Um, if he came and looked great, I'd be like, I'd be excited. But at the same time, I'm like, all right, the guy who was supposed to be the most NBA ready player a year ago came and just showed out against a bunch of guys who were like, you know, some rookies, G League players. Like, so I think him looking bad would be more meaningful. In terms of your your best offense question, so. Um, he uh, Tibbs has had two really highly ranked offense, highly rated offenses in his um, time coaching. Well, I guess you could say the first year in Chicago too. So his second year in Chicago, 2011-12, um, they were the fifth ranked offense in the league. 
And that team had um, – okay, so that was – Derek Rose didn't play – Yeah, that was Rose, didn't play, uh, Rose Boozer. Um, yeah. They got Rip Hamilton. Um, yeah, Rip, Luel, yeah. Luel Dang. Uh, once a Nick, always a Nick. Ronnie Brewer was on that team. Um, Jimmy Butler was kind of – didn't really play a lot yet. He was on the team, though. Um, and then I don't know if I mentioned Joe Noah. Joakim Noah was there and still obviously very good. Taj Gibson. I don't know that I put that one ahead or behind the second Minnesota team that he had, where obviously Jimmy was there with those guys. Um, yeah, I I would agree with that. That's why I'm wondering. You, I mean, because like IQ is probably offensively our sixth best player. Like just you know, pound for pound. Um, I mean, let know, me just they, say this. I don't think I don't think they're going to be a top 10 offense this year. I think, I think their ceiling is probably something in like the, you know, the high teens, like 11, 12, 13. Um, but maybe with the ceiling of like 10. So I don't think this offense is going to be as good as those offenses purely because we have to account for the fact that the league has had such an offensive explosion in the last several years. And so like, yeah, yes, this all, like field. this offense can maybe like if you put them on the floor with that those teams maybe they are like a quote unquote better offense but in comparison to some of the other offenses we're seeing where the numbers are just silly um like it, it's a it's everything's relative I guess is the is the is the way that I would put it. Got you. All right. Yep. That's all. That's all. all I right. got, man. Good Thank stuff, you. Justin. I, I appreciate you uh, coming on and and taking some time. All right, here he is. First, this is definitely first time. I don't know about, about long time, time, but definitely first time. Drew, what's going on, man? <laughs> Finally, you goddamn bum! What took you so long? People do have thoughts that they'd like to share. Um, so, great friend, how are you doing? I'm feeling good. It's been a good week. What's on it's your mind? Uh, that's good. To- what's on my mind? Um, the fact that you're going to overreact to summer league for Obi top and Macri, what the hell are you doing? No one gives a shit. If someone performs bad or good in summer league, it doesn't matter. Well, I think I have to see what the good or the bad looks like. Um, do we not, did you not watch Kevin Knox in summer league in his rookie year? We're all like, Oh my God, Kevin Knox is the future of the NBA. And now he's hopefully going to get traded for cap space and, uh, a future pick. Yes, um, but I, I'm trying to think of mm-hmm. like on the other, the going in the other direction. Um, if someone yeah, is really, no if someone looks pay, out no of place, pays, no one pays attention to that. No one cares. All right, no one well, cares. Listen, I the question was which one of the two would I take more seriously, and of the two, I would take a bad performance more seriously. But anyway, um, what are what's 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 on your mind other than that? Um, no, the only thing that's on my mind is I want everyone here to keep an eye out for content from the Strickland that's going to be coming out because I'm yes. going to be working on an Evan Fournier article. I'm going to hopefully, if Alex, that you know, that dictator of a bum editor in chief at the Strickland, ever publishes my three point article, that should be coming out as well. I did a huge deep dive on the you know the analytics of three point shooting. From what from what out. perspective? I'm curious. Oh, from it, like you just generally like, the analytics of it or anything in particular? Yeah. So most of our understanding of three point shooting and the analytics of it date back basically to like the mid 2010s for um, 
analysis of like nylon calculus stuff, right? And they did tons of yes. great work on it. But and not like a but, but like three point shooting has changed significantly from like the data that they collected back in 2015 to now. So the question ultimately is, is like, hey, is has anything changed? Is this are these findings still the same? Because that's how the scientific method works, you know. So like, keep an eye out for that so we can see what's going on there. I also also got a ton, also other things too, like um, diving into the uh, the play type data. Is it actually worthwhile to like even look at, especially the defensive stuff? Like, is it like when you go to NBA day stuff and you're just like, oh, this player is a good pick and roll defender, right? And you'll say like, you'll see the efficiency of it. Does that actually matter? What are they actually measuring? Like, we don't like what like that's not defined specifically. So we're I'm diving into that stuff too. That's what I'm saying. Check out the shrink and um. That's it. That's all I want to do. I still want to promote myself, basically, and call you a bum for taking too long to call me up. Um, never responding. To I, I think that's fair. The Slack. Um, like Drew, the, the day anymore. the day that I have time to check Slack messages, uh, I, I look forward to that day because it means that um, they have managed to put more hours into the day, and it, it would give me more time to do other things than the things that I already have to do. But um, I promise you. If I ignore anything that is directed at me in the Slack, it is it is certainly not personal. <laughs> also, do you have a bird in the background? Uh, no, I think that was my daughter before. No, oh, okay. Because okay. she okay. sounds kind question. of like a bird. Okay. Um, thank you, as that's always, that's Drew. That's you're, that's uh, that's wait. Oh, sorry. I just I I removed you before you were finishing whatever you were saying about the bird. Um, Love you, Drew. Okay, Frank, you're up. Oh, what's going on, Frank? How you doing, my man? What's going on, Mac? How you doing? It's good. I'm doing good, man. It's a couple. Uh, I'm trying to think. I saw you what two nights ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was great, man. It was great. I love your content. I, I support you on Patreon. Everything, man. I love it, man. I can never can't get enough of it. Uh, well, trust me, we we appreciate <laughs> it very much, man. Seriously. Yeah. Um, two quick, one quick, one quick comment and a comment slash question rolled into one, uh, comment. Got it. Uh, I love, uh, that we finally, finally with this current iteration of front office that we have with Leon West, Aller and the King, it feels like we finally have chess players in the room and, and not a good bunch of guys playing connect four, like the other different iterations of, of front offices that we've had in previous years. If it, it just feels good knowing that. Number one and number two, in terms of the Randall contract, uh, yes, I, 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 I don't believe that Randall was so altruistic that he left forty to eighty million dollars on the table without knowing that there's a legitimate, damn near guaranteed path uh, that the Knicks are going to bring in a star, like you said, within the next twelve t minus twelve months. Uh, a couple nights ago, you said on on when we was on 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 our town hall. And I didn't, I didn't put much credence into it, but you had said, hey, don't discount a Dane thing within the season. And I said, oh, no, I think he's going to give – I think Dane is going to give the organization one full year. He's going to give Chauncey Bellis one full year. With this Randall contract, I really think it signifies more than what a lot of people are letting on, being that he left that much money on the table. Uh, I think it does signify something. I think Dame has flipped the hourglass – in Portland, the sands are coming down. And I think we could see that by the trade deadline. I just wanted to know your thoughts on that. And I'm out. Thank so, you. So, 
No, thank you, Frank. I, I appreciate it, man, and appreciate all your patronage and support. Um, the thing I'll point out about Dame is I found um, – I was going to um, – I'm not sure if I'm going to pop it in the newsletter on Monday. I might. So there was a two-minute, uh, roughly two-minute soundbite from him speaking. I uh, um, I don't know if it was after the semifinal game or if it was – I what he had a press availability. It was within the last forty-eight to seventy-two hours, and somebody asked him about what his thoughts were on Portland's summer and their and their free agent moves. And the first words out of his mouth were, "Oh, I'm not really paying much attention to that. I'm focused on what's going on over here." And then, not forty-five seconds later, he started talking about what they did and didn't do. And he's like, well, you know, guys have to go and be in the whatever the situations that are right for them. And like the guys that we got are the guys that wanted to be here. So like he said the thing at first that was like the, well, yeah, I'm going to make it seem like I don't really care what's going on. And then he made it very, very clear, you know, less than a minute later that he knows exactly what the fuck's going on. And um, again, I, I personally don't find it very hard to read between the lines. Um, I think he gave Neil O'Shea – you know, one more chance to try to make some moves. Um, I think he's going to get traded this season. And I think he's going to get traded to either the Knicks or um, the Sixers. Although I wonder if this, I, I, the, the, that's why the Simmons thing is so fascinating to me, because um, if he gets moved before the season, how does that impact the Dame sweepstakes? Um, obviously I have no idea what the answer to that question is, but yeah, if you're asking me, do I think Dame is going to get traded this season? I absolutely think he's going to get traded this season. So um, that would be that would be my guess. All right, Mister Cologne Loring. Hello, hello, sir. Hello, hello. you there? Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, I can. Perfect. Sorry, driving my dog home from the vet. Uh, oh, okay, what? cool. Here's here's one. Are you tired, John? Because I'm I'm real fucking tired, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little tired. I'm um, mostly. I have to. I'm concerned because my, I promised my wife I would. I would start finishing these things up a little bit sooner. Um, but and we have some some shit to get to today. But no, I'm I'm good. I'm feeling good. I you know this team and and creating content gives me energy. Um, so I, yes, I may be a little tired, but it's it's a, it's a good time. I think so as well. Uh, how, how are you doing? What's on your mind? I was curious. So. Not a lot has been made of it, and if it has, then I've missed it, and it's just completely gone over my head, which also is an incredibly unlikely given my aforementioned tired state. Um, I feel like we haven't seen the Knicks kind of dig in and commit to a guy like they did with Fournier. It seems like that was, you know, once they knew they wanted to do it, they went all in and did it, right? I think we yes. saw that with Randall, you know, some years ago, and now with Fournier. So the obvious Pluses are there with the shot creation and the the boost in the offense. It's going to be a real shot in the arm. Uh, he's a threat with the ball. Uh, but otherwise, I'm curious, like, if you've heard anything or even just your general thoughts, what do you think it is about Fournier specifically as opposed to other options to where they were like, hey, we're going to go get this guy, and we're going to pay him four years and $78 million, and we're going to commit. Like, I, I, they, have, I, I, they have to see something. Yeah, no, sorry, what were you saying? You there? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I cut you off on your last point. I was going to answer, but then you started saying, saying something else. What, what was the last thing you wanted to say? I was just saying they have to see something. Otherwise, 
you know, they, they've got some kind of vision for him, and it can't just be his contract is movable in the event that there's a star that asks out for trade because you could have gone that route a number of different ways. There's, they have a vision for Forney. I'm just curious, like, from your point of view, you know, what, what do you think that that looks like? Well, I just – I don't know if it's necessary. I mean, I haven't heard anything to this end, but I don't necessarily think it's Fournier-specific. I think the player type was what they wanted. I think the number was what they wanted. Um, and, like, for instance, I think that they would have given the same I, – I, I think they would have given the, the Bogdanovich contract last summer if they had the opportunity to do so. Um, and I just don't think that opportunity presented itself. I mean, they essentially gave Fournier the Bogdanovich contract. Is Bogdanovich and Fournier, are they the exact same type of player? No, obviously they're not the exact same type of player, but, like, that's the archetype. It's your, you know, your wing player who can create a little bit, who can shoot off the dribble, who can just – he's – like, there there aren't – like I guess there aren't that many of those players in the league who have shown the ability to do these things at the, at the professional level. And I think again, that's why we saw them go hard after, after Duarte in the draft, because Duarte profiles to be exactly this sort of player. And I think that's why they felt comfortable giving up both of their first round picks to go up and move, move to, to get Duarte. Um, I think they felt they needed this type of player in the offense to make their offense go to the next level. And he was the best one available that was willing to take the, I I, can't, I shouldn't even say that was willing to take this number because I don't even know if there was anybody else in free agency really available who fit this exact archetype. I don't really think there was because DeMar DeRozan's a different type of player, putting aside the fact, as I saw someone just mentioned in the chat, he wanted a lot more money. So that would be that would be my answer to that to that question. Yeah, no, fair enough. I agree. And maybe it is just a, a happenings of circumstance. I just thought, you know, as soon as the rumors kind of geared up, it was like, okay, they're going to do this. And there was a certain level of commitment I thought that I saw, you know, that maybe we haven't seen as much, you know, especially from Leon in the front office. And we haven't heard from them yet uh, because they still haven't introduced them. Uh, yeah, that and then uh, at some point i got to look and see what the Kemba Fournier numbers looked like, you know, uh, in the short they were span. Fin- they played it was fin- Fournier and Kemba had the best – Kemba's best offensive rating in terms of with another player last year in the Celtics was with, with Evan Fortier. If you go by NBAStats.com, it was 118.5 points per possessions. If you go by CleaningTheGlass.com, which obviously filters out garbage time, it was over 120 points per 100 possessions. They made some beautiful music together. And for anybody listening and wondering, is that just a result of them being on the floor with Jason Tatum? No, it's not, because I went and looked up the numbers of the two of them without Jason Tatum on the floor. Limited sample size, under 200 possessions, but the offensive rating actually went up from when it was the two of them with Tatum. So um, I don't know how much of that factored into their whole plan this offseason, but I think suffice it to say um, those two are going to um, work fairly well together. Come on. Yes. Yeah, I know. It's good news, right? (laughs) <laughs> thank, thank you, my man. Um, all right, I'm going to try to – we're going really rapid fire um, here for what's left. I got five people left. I'm going to see if I get everybody up here and out in like 90 seconds or less. So, Carlos, you are up next. Carlos. Carlos, hey. going once? I hear you. What's going on, Carlos? How you doing, man? <laughs> hey, how are you? Uh, I'm doing good. Of- <laughs> First of all, sorry about my English. I'm from Brazil, so my English is not that good. 
But oh, that's I good enough. Try. I can understand you. <laughs> okay, my question is: uh, Would you trade uh, Fournier for Smart straight up? Because I'm I'm a little bit um, I don't know worry about our uh, perimeter defense. I think we we will lost a little bit with Fournier on the floor. What do you think about that? Um, it's a good question. I appreciate the question. I appreciate you tuning in from Brazil. I think, um, no, they would not, and I wouldn't either. Uh, I saw Keith Smith, who knows as much about Austin as anyone, was floating the notion of a smart extension that would essentially be the same kind of numbers that Fournier is getting, four years in the high 70s. Um, oh, thank you, hon. Um, my daughter just brought me an ice pop. Um I think, again, I, not to sound like a broken record, I think we just saw in the playoffs, like I'm not saying you don't need defense. The, the Bucks won the championship partially because of their defense. They were able to slow down that Phoenix attack. But you just need guys who can make shots, and you need guys who can make shots consistently. You, guys, you need uh, guys on the floor who teams just feel they can't leave open, um, and they need to guard. And, and Fournier is a guy that you need to honor – on the offensive end of the floor. And what I'm really curious to see is him in a situation where he is not the second or third offensive option, but more like the fourth or fifth offensive option. And I think hopefully what you're going to see um, is a guy that really can actually t like less is more. Um, I, I understand the concerns about the perimeter defense. I think that's why you have Tom Thibodeau as your coach. And I think that's why you have a couple of key cogs and key spots on the floor um, guys that can make up a little bit for you know what what some other players weren't able to do. It's it's not an accident that this team almost had nobody on it that got any votes for all defense uh, last year. It's it's the system, it's the buy-in, it's the understanding. I, I think we're I think we're going to be fine. Um, Dom, Dom Capuchini. Hey, hey. Oh wait, no, sorry, I got two people up here at once. I, I my my fingers slipped. Okay, so I got Dom up here and I got Anthony up here. So, um, Dom, let me get you first. Dom, what's your question? All right. Hey, John, it's a pleasure finally chatting with you. been a, a reader of yours for a couple of years now since the, uh, the bad 2018-19 season. So uh, my, my only question was actually was about 4-8-2. I kind of remember uh, about that. It was the Orlando Magic game when we won with the Reggie Bullock steal. Yes. And on a post-game live stream, you said something like, I think it was actually – after the trade – no, it was right before the trade deadline. And you said something like, uh, you know, see, that's kind of why I wasn't really a big fan of, you know, having uh, Fournier. I'd rather have Bullock or uh, or uh, Burks here. Um, and I was wondering if maybe as, as time went on and we had the playoffs and we've seen some of uh, Bullock's, uh, you know, inability to, you know, do what he does best offensively, you know, in the playoffs, if that might have swayed your opinion on, well, you know, maybe we could we could have a, a shot creator like him, even if he's like a three or four guy. You know, I'm just curious on that. Yeah, um, it's a it's a good question. I I remember that very well. And if you watch the Olympics, like Fournier, you know, he still has right. some like turnovers that just make you shake your head. Okay. Um, and, and I and I think when. When he's asked to do too much, you see – and th listen, this is not exclusive to Fournier. This is exclusive – this is true of all but like 10 NBA players. When they're asked to do too much, you start to see the flaws. Um, 
I, I didn't want to give up assets for a guy that was going to be a free agent this summer because my thinking was like, look, if you want him in free agency, just go get him in free agency. And sure enough, they sure. gave him, they got him in free agency. Um, sure, sure. I do, th- I do think that there is something to be said for making sure that he slots in his proper role. And listen, if all things go according to plan and RJ takes the step up that we think he could take and we, and uh, Kemba is uh, at a certain modicum of health, I think Fournier is going to be the fourth offensive option on this team. And that's right. what you, that's what you want him to be. Um, and a tradable and, asset. Uh, yeah. And, and the contract is tradable. The fact that it's three years is huge. And, and yes, I, I absolutely was part of it was about, I, I liked like I liked this team, I liked the what they had going, and right, I didn't yeah. want to shake that up. But at a once the season's over, at a certain point, you need to identify your flaws. And also, like there's a big difference between trading for a guy in season and, and signing a guy in the offseason because you have <laughs> a whole offseason with them, and you have the training camp, and you have everything else. So, um, right. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing them ingratiate him. Okay, Anthony, you are up next, and then a couple more, and then we get out of here. So so so. What's going uh, on, man? Not much, man. Quick question. I wanted to know if you if you read, I'm sure you did, that, that Berman article that came out last night with the orthopedic surgeon about Kemba's knee and what is your level of concern? I mean, obviously, it's a great contract, so it's not much of a much of a risk, but as far as um, anticipating, you know, win, winning numbers or winning percentage for next season, um, what is your level of concern about that injury? My my level. Uh, thanks for the question, Anthony. My level of concern is the same as I think most people, which is like I want to see it. You know, uh, I'm I. My here's my level of concern. My level of concern is I'm really really happy we didn't trade for two years and seventy four million dollars worth of Kemba Walker. But my level of concern is not so high that I am upset that we're giving Kemba Walker two years and sixteen million dollars. Um, because and the reason I say that specifically, and all, all due respect to the guy that Berman talked to, the guy that Berman talked to is not someone that has ever examined Kemba Walker. He's not someone that has uh, Kemba Walker as a patient. He's speaking generally, and I, I, I there is concern there, which is why you have to divert. The risk can only be so much in terms of the money that you're going to commit to him. But at the same time, we saw this guy do stuff on the court last year that you can't do if you're done. Like he did things that we were where we witnessed with our own eyes. I don't know how many Boston games people in here watch, but just go back and look at the highlights, look at the clips. Like he, we know what a broken down player looks like. Kemba Walker isn't a broken down player. Kemba Walker is a guy who probably needs to be managed. But if we didn't still see the ceiling that we saw last year, I'd, I'd be more concerned. The only thing that I will say, and I noted it in the article that I wrote, I think the day after they signed him is that um, he went to the rim far less than at any other point in his career last year. So I definitely think the concerns over the knees and like his just being able to hold up physically manifested themselves, manifested themselves in how often he was willing to put his body in harm's way, um, which again, didn't drive as much. So I, I think we're going to see a version of Kemba Walker that probably gets in gets to the rim a little bit less, gets to the free throw line a little bit less. That doesn't mean he still can't be an incredibly effective player, though. Um, okay, two more. We are going to get out of here by 1130. I am, I am willing it into action. Ari, what's going on, my man? How are you? Ari, I hear you, but I don't hear your words. 
I don't know if you're still there. Ari going once. Ari going twice. Ah. All right, Ari. I'm going to hit you up next week. Um, all right, last but certainly not least, Kevin. Hello, Kevin. Hello, John. Um, for- <laughs> What's going on, my man? Wow, first time, first time, uh, first time speaker. Oh, well, um, welcome. Really, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've been tuning into your pods all week. Um, thank, thank you for the content. Thank you for working your ass off. Thank you. Um, I hate to be the guy who brings up this question because I was gonna ask about both of Berman's reports this week, but the Alfred Payton you reporting, so um, the Alfred Payton reporting actively made me lose sleep. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to check in and see what you thought about it. And also, I've just been thinking, um, what you thought, what, what, um, because you wrote in your newsletter that you hope for the best for Alfred. And I'm wondering, uh, like, if the Suns could um, make a reclamation project out of campaign, what are the chances they could do it for uh, Alfred? Um, my comment about Alfred in the newsletter was more tongue-in-cheek than anything else. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think Alfred Payton can be reclaimed um, in terms of being anything more than, like, a tenth, tenth man on a team. Um, I do think... And I spoke about this on something that we did recently. I forget what. That um, oh, hold on. Um, I forget where I said this, but like, I think last year was in his head, and um, like, could he be a better version of the player than we saw last year? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't put anything in Berman's uh, report um, because or not report, but his like. They called him at the beginning of free agency. I just think they literally may have called him, picked up the phone, and be like, "Here's the direction that we're going." And I, I wouldn't make anything more of it than that. Uh, yeah, like Will is saying, zero chance he learns to shoot. If he doesn't learn to shoot, he's not—he's not a guy who should be playing major. Players. All right, I think that's it. Somebody's not on mute because um, green room is just fantastic. And, oh, it, it can never be a green room without some kind of a technical issue. So. Um, I just want to say thank you for everybody for coming. Um, appreciate the people at the end who didn't get as much time as people in the beginning. I am going to get the flow of these things right one of these days, one of these years. And um, I hope everybody has a great rest of their weekend. All right. Adios, folks. 